See, that's what happens to us is we get in this position to where we feel like we're earning God's favor and we're doing the right things and we're being righteous in our own eyes. And then things start going wrong and we start looking at God. And so the Lord will allow us sometimes to come to the end of ourselves so that we can build confidence in who He is so that when the enemy tries to attack, we have faith to stand firm and refuse to hear what the enemy is saying. It's resisting what the enemy wants us to do. It's overcoming what the enemy is trying to bring in our lives and it's defeating the lies of the enemy. In today's sermon, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his message on spiritual warfare and the pulling down of strongholds in our life. What is it? How do we recognize it? How do we go about using it? All right. I want to continue to talk about spiritual warfare. How many of you know that stuff's real? Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you about it on three different levels. I, I kind of did an introduction, but I got to telling so many stories last week that I forgot what I was really kind of talk about. So I'm going to try to put us back into the, into the realm. I see three areas of spiritual warfare. One of, the, one of the areas of spiritual warfare is in the mind. How many of you ever had spiritual warfare in your mind? Amen. I like what Jasmine said. That was spiritual warfare that was taking place. All of that that the enemy would try to tell us. The second place that we have spiritual warfare is in the heavenlies. Okay? And that's demonic, demonic principalities and powers that rule over areas. You ever, you ever wondered why somewhere places like in the Middle East there's war? There's been war going on for 6,000 years and it never stopped. And it's because of the principality that rules over that area. And so part of that has to do with principalities, powers. And then it also has to do with world rulers. It talks about the, the wickedness and the evil of world rulers. And so there's a form of spiritual warfare that we have to combat that goes into that. And then the, the third area of spiritual warfare has to do with demons. Turn to your neighbor and say, demons are real. Yeah, they are. And uh, we've seen them. Uh, i tell you one quick story about a demon. Uh, we had a, a youth pastor one time named Mike Jones. And Mike Jones bought a house. And in the basement of his house, they had painted a satanic clown on the, on the wall. And Mike would go in there and he would take that, what's that stuff you, you, kilts. He'd take kilts and he'd kilts over that clown. And the next day he'd get up and that clown would be right back. And he'd kilts over that clown and that clown would come right back. He did that for three weeks and never could get that clown to cover up. Finally he had a group to come over and just cleanse the house, and they prayed over it. He painted it one time, and it never, ever came back again. Amen? Amen. Woo. Okay. Demons are here to torment, to torture, and, and to, to control you as best they can. We'll, we'll talk more about that. The Bible says we are to cast them out. We're not to be afraid of them. As a matter of fact, let me just tell you, let me tell you one little story. My daddy and a man named Don Pye, you, you would have thought that they were, they were demon hunters. All they had to do was just get the smell or the tell about a demon, and they'd drive 300 miles so they could cast that sucker out. They enjoyed casting out demons better than eating. So anyway, 
But I'm going to get into that. That's probably the last thing I deal with. But I do want you to know there are three areas, three stages. First Peter 5, 8 said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. First he says resist him. And how do you resist him? You've got to be firm in your faith. What have we been talking about this morning? Trusting God. I got, where's Herman? I got a telephone call from Herman. He said, Dad, I need a little encouragement. I said, you need a little encouragement. You just spent four days on vacation. I said, man, you just, you just have been living the life. He said, I think that's the problem. He said, I came back to reality. And he said, he said you know, he said, I've, I've been, man, I've been doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I, I've, I've quit my job. I've come to work for the church. I get paid very little. I'm tithing. I'm doing all the right stuff. How many of you have been doing the right stuff? And he says, and then my truck breaks down. And he said, I have to go spend all this money on getting my truck fixed and I get my truck out. And then he said, my PT Cruiser breaks down. And then he says, so I had to take my PT Cruiser in. And then he says, my truck breaks down again. And he said, man, he said, I had a little money saved up to kind of take care of things. And now that's gone. And he said, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I told him? I said, jump for joy. I'm talking about you, son. I said, jump for joy. He said, why? I said, God's going to prove himself to you. If you had money in the bank, he couldn't prove himself to you. So he's taken all your money. God's allowed all your money to be spent so that he can prove that he loves you. Oh, come on now. You know, this is, that's what happens to too many people is we say, well, we're doing all the right things and God has abandoned me. I'm doing all the right stuff and yet God isn't there. I've done all the right stuff and things are still going on. Like you could earn God's favor. See, that's what happens to us is we get in this position where we feel like we're earning God's favor and we're doing the right things and we're being righteous in our own eyes. Notice I didn't say in God's eyes. I said in our own eyes because our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. And then things start going wrong and we start looking at God. We start looking at God. Levi, come on back up to the seats, buddy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are, are you earning the favor of God? Or are you going to trust God? See, we've got to trust Him. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in our life. But see, we think because we're checking off our little boxes that God is now obligated to do something. God obligated him to do something, himself to do something when he put his son on the cross, Jesus Christ. And if the blood of Christ is not a good enough promise for you, nothing will be. Okay? Nothing's going to take care of that. And so I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what's going on, God's still in control. And we have to learn to trust him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to learn. It's not easy all the time, is it? Oh, trusting God is just not easy. And so we got, to, we, we got to understand that we must resist him and stand firm in our faith. What is our faith in? Our faith is the faithfulness of God. That's what we have to believe. We are faithful to him because he has always shown to be faithful. He, says that, he said even when we are faithless, he is still faithful. And so we, we have to trust in the faithfulness of God and that God will take care of us. 
We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And sometimes it means exhausting all our natural resources to come to the place that we can say, God, I don't have any choice but to look to you because everything I can do in the natural has been consumed. My only choice now is to put my confidence in you or die. And so the Lord will allow us sometimes to come to the end of ourselves so that we can build confidence in who He is so that when the enemy tries to attack, we have faith to stand firm and refuse to hear what the enemy is saying. I will not listen to the devil. I refuse to listen to him. And if I do, it's because he's deceived me. And the minute I learn truth, I say, I ain't listening to that stuff anymore. Amen. It took me five years to come to the trust of God that God has got my son. My son is okay. In the natural? No, not in the natural, but in the spirit. God's got him and it's okay, amen? It's okay, and I really do believe that. You can tell me anything you want to tell me. You can try to convince me otherwise, and I'm going to tell you it's a lie. I know what my God has said, and I trust my, I'll even take God's word over his word. And my son can tell me he's in a bad place, and I'll tell you, no, you're not. God's got you. Am I making sense to you? Spiritual warfare is resisting. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You know, there's a whole group of people who don't believe we're going to go through tribulation. You ought to go tell that to the people in North Korea. You ought to go tell that people that have been thrown into prisons and, and tortured in, in China. You ought, to go to, you ought to go to Nigeria where it's all right to kill Christians on the street. Tell, tell them there's not going to be tribulation. Tell them when they watch their family members being cut up and destroyed. And the apostle says, stand firm in your Don't be shaken. I have a friend who, who goes over to, uh-oh, can't remember the name of the country. Where? It, no. Yeah, Mozambique. You're right. Thank you. I thought that was a city. I had to go back and take my history lessons. He goes to Mozambique all the time. And they have, they, they, are, they are the fastest growing church in that area of the country. In two years, they started 2,000 churches. Now, this is going to be hard for some of y'all to swallow, but I'm going to tell it anyway. One of their lead pastors molested the head of the ministry's daughter. And they made him lead pastor after that had taken place. Why, wow, God restored him. That man has started, I don't mean how many hundreds of churches. His brother went to a remote village, which the majority of it is Muslim. The testimony, this man's testimony had gone out when his brother went to preach and teach the gospel. They killed him. They killed him 
and they took a machete and they hacked him in pieces and they carried him back and they laid him at the footsteps of this minister and told him if he didn't stop preaching the gospel, they'd do the same thing to him. He stood firm in his faith and he went to the same village his brother went to. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the entire village came to know Jesus. Amen? Come on. So when I tell you it's warfare, I'm talking about real warfare. See, this thing that everything's going to work out all right and everything's going to be good and everything's going to be simple, that's not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back and read Hebrews 11 and you'll find out that not everybody conquered a city. You'll find that some of them were sawn in two. I told them in our Friday night Bible study, if you really want to read a real interesting read, if you don't want to sleep, how many of you ever heard of the, the writer Stephen King? How many of you will admit he'll scare you pretty bad? I can't stand it. I, I can't watch it, can't read it, not going to. It's just demonic from my perspective. But I want you to know, if you read Justin's Book of Martyrs or Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you begin to read that, it makes Stephen King look like a, a schoolboy. The inhumanity of man towards man, the martyrs that laid down their lives and the way they were destroyed. I shared one Friday night. I'll share that same one with y'all. I won't go any further than this because most of them are more horrific than this one. But one of the ways they liked to kill Christians was they put them in a brass cauldron. And then they put a fire under that brass cauldron. And they let that fire burn until that person died. That means they were burned all over their body before they died. When that, all that started, you know what happened is Polycarp had to start teaching his people in church, quit turning yourself in to be killed. They wanted to martyr themselves. They wanted to die for the cause of Christ. And Polycarp said, no, we need for you to preach the gospel. If they kill you, they kill you. But you need to preach the gospel. And so what I'm here today to do is you need to stand firm in your faith. And we can't even testify because we're afraid that something, somebody might get embarrassed. Somebody might not like us. Somebody might not want to hear the word of God. Somebody, well, that somebody may go be going to hell and burning for all eternity. I think it's worth you getting your little pride stepped on for you to share the truth of God's love for every human being. Amen. I'm making sense to you today. Stand firm in your faith. Don't let the devil win. Anytime the Holy Spirit tells you to witness and you don't, the devil wins. I get so excited. And witnessing is this real hard stuff. No, it's not. No, it's not. We witness, we witness to waitresses. We witness to store clerks. We witness to anybody that we come in contact with. And you know how we witness? Can I pray for you? I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I had my youngest granddaughter with me, and uh, I snuck her out of school. I didn't ask permission. I just went and got her and liberated her from school. <laughs> I, was, I was going to Covington to see David White, and I didn't want to ride by myself. And so my granddaughter's a good conversationalist. And so... She gets in the car with me. Don't tell anybody, but I put her in the front seat. She's a big girl. 
And we riding down the road and we talking and we talking and we talking. And uh, David has asked for some chocolate bars. He wants some Hershey's chocolate. And so I pull into the Dollar General store and I go in there and I find some Hershey bars and she finds something she wants. Imagine that. Can you imagine a six-year-old finding something in Dollar General that they wanted? And so after she swapped it three times and we finally got to the final choice, I went and I paid for it. And as I paid for it, I noticed this woman's arm was hurting her. And I said, you hurting? She said, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. We pulled her out from behind the register. We laid hands on her. We began to invoke the name and the blood of Jesus. Tears started falling out of her eyes. And she was weeping and she hugged me and, and she hugged Rosalie. And she just, I mean, you could just tell the whole countenance of her face changed. And she said, I love Jesus. I said, I know you do, sweetie. I said, he's coming, he's touched you and he's healed you. We went and we got in the car. And when we got in the car, Rosalie looked at me. She said, I've never done that before, Nana Daddy. She said, I like that. Now, you got to know this girl never meets a stranger. You have to be careful with her because she's going to introduce herself to everybody around her, you know. But, but, but can I tell you, it's just that simple. And it's just that simple to teach somebody else how to witness too. You know, if you've got somebody with you that's a little bit shy, you ought to be helping them share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This isn't in any of my notes. This is all free, Okay. <laughs> But I'm just telling you, there's a harvest that is ready to be taken. And we have the power and the authority to take that harvest if we'll just step out there just a little bit. Just put our toe in the water and begin to do what God's called us to do. And if you're afraid to do it, come see me. I'll take you witnessing. Come see Joni. She'll take you witnessing. Come on, come see us. We'll take you out and show you how to witness. Don't go with Sarah and Ken. Oh, my God. You may never witness again in your life. I mean, because you, by the time Ken finishes one, he's got the knee in the back, got one hand stretched up over his back. He if you don't accept Jesus, I'm going to break this arm now. <laughs> Not really. I'm just teasing. We got to witness. We got to resist the devil, and we've got to do what we're commanded to do. It's resisting what the enemy wants us to do. It's overcoming what the enemy is trying to bring in our lives. And it's defeating the lies of the enemy. I'm blessed. Eddie, you ain't got no money in the bank account. Since when did that make any difference? I have people come to me all the time. And they say, I want to buy a house, but I ain't got no money in the bank. I want to buy a house, but I ain't got no money in the bank. I bought five houses and I've never had a dollar. Y'all don't believe that. The last one I bought, they put a new roof on it, recarpeted it, painted it, and paid the closing costs on it. And held the mortgage. And held the mortgage. Why? Because Sue and I prayed over it. When we started praying over it, the house wasn't even up for sale. Isn't that right? Year and a half later, we were living in it. Lies. Lies of the enemy. It's what my daddy used to tell me. Anybody can do it with money. Anybody can do it with money. 
is when you don't have money and all you got is prayer and you're trusting in God, then you find out whether you can move mountains or not. If your money's moving the mountain, then you have confidence in your money, not in the mountain mover. Amen? And God's called us to put our trust and our confidence in who He is and to move these mountains. And it's warfare. Why? Because, man, we start looking at the bank account and we go, man, I can't pay my bills. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I, had a, I was driving a Lincoln Continental. Not bad for a guy that doesn't have a dollar in the bank. I'm driving a Lincoln Continental and the engine blows up on it. And, and thank God that the elders graciously allowed the engine to be fixed, $1,500. I said, Lord, that ain't right. That is not right. This church shouldn't have to pay that $1,500. I, I can't stand that, Lord. That $1,500, man, we need, to, we need to help people out. We need to do things for the poor. That is not right. That engine blew up, and I didn't do anything wrong with it. Two weeks later, I get a letter from Ford Motor Company. You have a defective engine. If you will bring it to our dealership, we replace the engine. I wrote them back, and I said, I already had to replace the engine. I said, send me the bills. We'll send you a check. We sent them the bills for $1,500. They sent us a check for $1,500. Amen. Come on. Come on. My brother used to look at me and said, I hate you. I said, why is that? He said, you just, go to the, you just go to the darn mailbox and checks come in. I said, no, that ain't the way it works. I tell them you come in and they just get a little extra for me. That's all that happens in that deal. How are you going to stand? For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Turn to your neighbor and say, divine power. Destroying strongholds. Woo. Destroying. That word means to obliterate. When I was growing up, I used to love firecrackers. Anybody here like firecrackers? Ooh, I loved them. And we had cherry bombs and TNT. And I'm going to tell you what, that, my daddy started me off on this one now. I'll just be honest with you. He started putting TNT underneath the 55-gallon garbage can, and we'd see how high we could blow that sucker up in the air. And then the boys at school showed me that there was wax around that cherry bomb, and if you put a cigarette next to it, it would light that fuse, and once that fuse got so far, the cherry bomb would drop down in the toilet, and when it was going down in the toilet, it would explode and blow out all the pipes. I, I never did do that. Y'all know. They just showed me how to do it. And yeah, I was in high school, and I thought it was hilarious. I wasn't paying any taxes at that time. I didn't understand that. But we like, man, we like to see what we could destroy. And we would, we would load up as many cherry bombs and as many TNT as we could get together, light them and run like all get out and blow things up. Gallon milk jugs. We'd blow everything in the world that you could find to blow up. We love blowing stuff up. My brother loves setting stuff on fire. I've told this before, but he and, he and the next door neighbor got into a fire building contest. Brick one, he had eight acres on fire. The doctor told him, said, if you just have him strike 200 matches a day for about a week, he'll get tired of fire. At the end of two weeks, he was up to 400 a day. And he was inventing different ways to light fires. Amen. Boy, that we could do that in the, in the spiritual, if we could get a hold of that idea, and we could go to lighting fires. 
if we could go to lighting fires, if we could go to blowing stuff, the strongholds of the enemy, if we could start kicking in doors and taking names, whoo, you're talking about an adrenaline rush. Man, when you start kicking in the devil's doors, there is an adrenaline rush. But sometimes when you push, he pushes back. And when he pushes back, let me tell you what you don't do. You don't back up. You push harder until he gives up. You have power to destroy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have the power to destroy. It's better than dynamite, better than TNT, better than C4, it's better than any of that stuff. It's more powerful than anything on the planet. And he said, you have the power to destroy strongholds. You have the ability to defeat. You have the ability to destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I want you to understand the goal of this is to set yourself free, but it's also to set others free. You see, we, we forget that there are arguments coming from other people. You ever, if you ever got involved with a Muslim, they'll tell you real quick, they're never going to have a God that's been hung on a tree. And so if you're going to try to come against the Muslim ideology by trying to intellectually persuade them that Jesus is the real deal, you might as well go and, and bury your hat in the sand because it ain't happening. The only way a Muslim's going to be converted is he's going to encounter the power of Almighty God. And when he, invite, when he encounters the power of Almighty God, he will bow before him and he will renounce Allah and he will renounce Muhammad and he will declare that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God. Amen. But if you're not ready to do it with power encounters, don't waste your breath trying to convince them of any other ideology. Am I making sense to you? Ephesians 6.12 says, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the worldly rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. And of course, the goal of this war is to expand the kingdom and win souls. And then the third part of warfare is casting out demons. Mark 16.15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, I want you to notice this because that scripture sets up the reason for casting out demons. Now, some of us enjoy casting out demons just because we like the idea of casting out demons. It's like, any of y'all ever watch Dr. Pimple Popper? Yeah. <laughs> Sue got me hooked on that sucker. And now I watch, when they pull it out whole, I am disappointed. I want to see it go, boosh, and I want to see all that junk, all those dead cells coming out of there. I, that to me is just absolutely that is cool. That is cool to watch that stuff. And, and so, but, but that's not, what? Well, it just looks like toothpaste. You know, think about it. <laughs> it's the, I'm, I'm not going to go any further. But he's saying, he said, I want you to be able to proclaim the work, I want you to be able to proclaim the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Why are these signs going to accompany him? So that we can lead people to Christ, so that there can be an acknowledgement of who he is. And he said, and in my name they will cast out demons. Notice he didn't say they might cast out demons. 
He says they will cast out demons. Been casting out any demons lately? I've heard people say, I'm afraid of those things. Why? Why? They will speak in new, new tongues. They will pick up serpents in their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. He tells us he's given us the ability to have power encounters. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Not in your power. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if that, if that demon manifests, that demon's got to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I got tickled one time and uh, I was listening to John Wimber talk about two of his buddies that were talking about the fact they shouldn't have to struggle with casting out demons. Man, Jesus just laid his hand and called them out. And John said, well, he'd had two or three encounters and that hadn't been the way it was, but he would love for them to teach him how to do that. And so sure enough, they were in service, demon manifested. He got those two guys and they sent them to the back room. And all of a sudden in the back room, you hear, bam, bam, bam. The guy comes out, his tie's over here, and his hair's all messed up. The other one's shirt's ripped, and his pants about halfway down. And he looks at John, grins from ear to ear, and says, we got him. I want to go back to a second. I'm having such a good time. I, I really need to preach. Y'all never going to learn this. Second Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. King James says, casting down vain imagination. I want to read this to you now. This can apply to you or it can apply to somebody you know. A stronghold is an area of darkness within our mind or personality. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say it's an area of darkness. It causes ongoing spiritual, emotional, or behavioral problems. We can be genuinely born again. I read this last week. I want to read it again. We can be genuinely born again and sincere in our faith, but have an ongoing struggle with our thoughts, our emotions, and habits that wage war against our relationship with Christ. And so can others. Now let's just get real honest. Anybody in here? Saved? Raise your hand. Anybody in here ever struggle with your thoughts? Yeah. See, it's true. It's true. And so our job is not to condemn or to criticize or make you feel shameful. That's what the enemy wants to do. Our job is to pull down the strongholds so that those things cannot have influence over our lives any longer. They're deeply held beliefs that have been established through the lies of the enemy. It says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Again, I say there's two ways, destroying strongholds in others and destroying strongholds in ourselves. The intellectual approach will not work. I told you a little bit about Islam, but let me tell you about uh, New Age theology. That is the going thing. And, and, and you know how that back in about 400 A.D., Constantine began to, to weave in pagan beliefs with Christian beliefs. If you didn't know that, you need to go back and study that. Some of the things that had been carried on are pagan. 
in, in the way that had been done in the church for years and years and years. And the reason he did that was because he, he made Christianity the official religion of the kingdom, but he wanted to be able to draw the other people in, and so they brought in some of their demonic strongholds in there. New Age movement has had the greatest influence on the church of the United States of America of any religion existing today. It has had the strongest influence. New Age movement is, uh, is uh, the theology of feel-goodism. Universal tolerance and moral relativism. In the New Age movement, man is central. He is viewed as divine, as co-creator, as the hope for future peace and harmony. Let me show you how to be a more positive you. Let me show you how to get the most enjoyment out of this lifetime. If the gospel switches to man-centered, something is out of order. And what we're doing is we are incorporating these ideas into our faith. The New Age movement worships the earth. How many of you know that now they're trying to tell you you can't eat meat? It's just a rumbling. You know the scripture says that'll come. Did you know that? Scripture says that'll come. Scripture says all this deception is going to come. And it's under the guise of what? Taking care of the earth. Well, they can take as good a care of it as they want to when the wrath of God is poured out. It doesn't matter how good a care we've taken of it. God will have his vengeance on the evil that's on the earth. Amen. And then he's going to renew everything. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be good good conservationists. I'm not telling us we should be abusing what's on the earth. I don't think that's right either. But I'm telling you, we can't worship those things. We can't turn our ideologies into those things. Our focus has to be on Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. That's the warfare that you're going to begin to fight because they are going to surround their thought processes with good works, good deeds, good actions, and they're going to say it's all good. And if man would just be good, if man would just be good. There's a city right now, and I wish I remembered the name of it, but there's the, one of the guys that is running for the city council has put, post, they put forth a proposal that they do away with all police forces in that state. Well, man inherently is good. And if given the opportunity, he will do good. See, that's just not true. You understand where I'm coming from? These people need Jesus. And listen to what God said. I've given you the power to destroy their arguments. Through intellectualism, through divine encounter. That's why we started off in faith. Well, who am I? Well, if that's the way you see yourself, you're nothing. Who am I? 
I'm a son of the most high God. Who am I? I am the, I am the vessel of the Holy Spirit. Who am I? I am. I walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Who am I? I have been forgiven, washed clean. I am seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Who am I? I am a demon kicking, butt kicking, Christian filled with the Holy Ghost. Who am I? I am a stronghold man that can pull them down because of the power of the Holy Ghost flowing in me. He lays up all the arguments. He destroys every one of them and he lives in me. And if he lives in me, he knows how to combat every argument that's on the planet. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons with Pastor Eddie Mason, Senior Pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We welcome you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would also like to bless you with a Father's Prayer from Papa Herman, an elder at Southside Christian Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.